It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. I have been analyzing Richard Dawkins' central argument in his book, The God Delusion. But that analysis is somewhat difficult because his argument is camouflaged by the entire book that is more about disparaging rhetoric than it is about logic or argument. He kicks off his book by saying religious belief in a supernatural God is delusional. Dawkins calls his central argument appearing in chapter 4 the ultimate Boeing 747 gambit. The appeal to a Boeing 747 refers to what the astrophysicist Fred Hoyle said about the spontaneous emergence of life is about as likely as a tornado sweeping through a junkyard assembling a Boeing 747 out of the debris. Over 40 pages of chapter 4 is given over to consciousness raising that contemplation of natural selection is said to evoke. I don't see how consciousness raising helps in proving the non-existence of God. Dawkins gives a sequence of six statements on the last two pages of the chapter. In all this, Dawkins has failed to explain his reasoning, and we are all left to trying to fill in the details of his thinking in order to be able to critique it. In my first response to the six statements, I said, anyone with a minimal amount of understanding of logic knows that if a term, in this case God, appears in the conclusion then that term must also appear somewhere in the body of the argument. Or otherwise, there could be no conclusion about that term. You can search the six statements and find no mention of God anywhere. You have to give Dawkins the benefit of the doubt to suspect there is a hint of a reference to God in the question, who designed the designer in Statement 3. In most examples of arguments, premises are normally truth claims that assert something that is either true or false. In fact, the statements 1 through 6 are not truth claims at all. Statements 1 to 2 seem only to set the historical stage for his supposed argument. Statement 3 ends with a question, it's hard to envision how a truth claim could ever be affirmed by a question. Statements 4 through 6 are about explanations. Statement 5 says we don't yet have an explanation for physics equivalent to Darwinian evolution by natural selection. 
Statement 6 is about hoping. What is Dawkins' basic point? I think he thinks that if a tornado in a junkyard cannot do the job of assembling a Boeing 747, then God cannot do the job of creating the universe. Dawkins affirms the ultimate Boeing 747 gambit comes close to proving that God does not exist. But remember, this scenario of a tornado assembling a Boeing 747 is supposed to be equivalent to spontaneous generation of life on Earth. Dawkins has mistakenly concluded the non-existence of God. But what Hoyle actually shows is that spontaneous generation of life on Earth does not occur. Dawkins asserts in Statement 3 that if the universe is improbable, quotes, it is obviously no solution to postulate something even more improbable, end quotes. Why an improbable universe demands an improbable God, Dawkins does not say. And since he made the claim, the burden of proof is on him. Secondly, most arguments normally involve a conditional proposition, that is, an if-then implication. That would help the reader to make an inference. But there are no implications in these six statements. Dawkins calls this an argument, but on a more careful analysis, it has few sentences, if anything, that actually gives the appearance of an argument. To repeat what Dawkins said about design... The illusion of this being a real, bona fide argument is just that, an illusion. Thirdly, the statements 1 through 6 are what D.Q. McInerney calls evaluative statements in his book, Being Logical. The main purpose of making an evaluative statement is to present an overall view of the quality of a particular item like that of a service or a business. In this case, it is about the quality of an argument. Statements of objective fact are not open to argument. While evaluative statements might include objective elements in them, they are basically subjective. So if anyone wants an evaluative statement to be accepted, they must provide an argument for it. Since Dawkins typically offers no evidence to support his statements, then these six statements are basically nothing more than opinions. Response 3. Dawkins often writes that unless God himself is complex, he is bound to be incapable to account for the complexity of the universe. I have said that in Dawkins' mind, the complexity of God over that of the universe is the major reason for his assessment that God is improbable. If Dawkins is wrong in his assessment, then his Boeing 747 gambit fails. I think that Dawkins sincerely believes that God is complex. Moreover, he thinks he has evidence to support that inference. But I want to show that what he thinks is evidence is actually an improper conclusion that he makes.
In chapter 4, Dawkins presents three situations what he thinks supply good evidence against God. First, the silly logic question. Second, he claims the universe is a better fit with a naturalistic universe over that of a theistic universe. And third, he insists on the complexity of God. I've already dealt with the silly logic question. What is the truth here? God is uncaused. Nothing made God. By definition, God is supernatural and eternal. It makes no sense to speak of God coming into existence. Either he exists forever and needs no cause, or he does not exist and never will exist. If atheists ask who created God, then the topic of discussion is created gods. In other words, the gods to which Dawkins seeks to refute are man-made idols, and therefore are temporal, contingent, material, limited, impersonal, and exist within time and space. Thus, these gods have no capacity to cause the universe. One cannot help but lament Dawkins' limited understanding of the theistic God, who is personal, eternal, and the spirit being, who is omnipotent and transcendent over the universe. In some of Dawkins' public appearances, he challenges anyone's belief in God, saying that they do so only because they were born in a Western country like Great Britain or the USA. He says that if they were born in ancient Greece, they would believe in Zeus, or if born in a Nordic country, they would believe in Thor or Odin. Actually, this is really the genetic fallacy, which is concerned with the origin of belief rather than the truth of a belief. Dawkins seems unaware that the presence of a fallacy completely negates his argument. Here, Dawkins confuses truth with the fitness issue, and he offers no evidence that the naturalistic universe is better than the theistic universe. The author Gregory E. Gansel, in his article in the book Contending with Christianity's Critics, counters Dawkins' claim by offering four major elements that fit significantly better with a theistic universe than with an atheistic universe. Those elements are, one, the universe is ordered and offers the potential of rational investigation. Two, it is a world with consciousness. Three, it is a world with free agency. And four, it is a world with objective moral values. It's curious that having declared God's existence unlikely in virtue of his improbability, Dawkins never considers that by reasoning analogously, he could have concluded that the existence of the universe is unlikely in virtue of its improbability. The assumption that the universe is improbable is the indispensable core of the ultimate Boeing 747 gambit. But the fact is that improbable events do occur. The article, Dawkins' Delusion, in the book Contending with Christianity's Critics and True Reason, Craig observes 
Dawkins' fundamental mistake lies in his assumption that a divine designer is an entity comparable in complexity to the universe. As an unembodied mind, God is a remarkably simple entity. Dawkins has evidently confused a mind's ideas, which may indeed be complex, with a mind itself, which is an incredibly simple entity. Therefore, postulating a divine mind behind the universe does represent an advance in simplicity. So Dawkins made a mistake. His conclusion of the complexity of God is not supported. This is enough to put the whole central argument into the grave. Response four. Craig says, quotes, If we take the six statements as premises, then the argument is patently invalid. No logical rules of inference would permit you to draw this conclusion from the six premises. Craig adds, A more charitable interpretation would be to take the six statements as summary statements, not as premises, but as summary statements of six steps of Dawkins' cumulative argument for his conclusion that God does not exist. But even in this more general construal, the conclusion, therefore God almost certainly does not exist, simply doesn't follow from these six steps, even if we concede that each of them are true and justified. Then Craig adds, the only delusion demonstrated here is Dawkins' conviction that this is a very serious argument against God's existence. In the footnote, Craig says Dawkins quotes, fancies himself as having offered a devastating and unrebuttable refutation of God's existence, end quotes. Give Dawkins credit. He didn't claim the six statements were premises. In fact, he says that they formed the summary of his argument. But why would you list the six statements unless they summarize what Dawkins was trying to say in chapter 4 of his book? It makes sense to assume that all of chapter 4 was there as support for Dawkins' conclusion. But he makes the same silly logic in the body of chapter 4 as he does in statement 3, who designed the designer. The truth is, God never needed to be designed. He is eternal, so he was always there. In philosophy, many logical errors result from supposing that the conditions and limits of our own finite existence apply to God. And Dawkins makes that mistake. I will return to Dawkins' central argument in the next episode To my audience, I say, (laughs) exercise daily, walk with God. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. 
And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.